I said, I just listened to, I've heard you, I've heard the joke before, before I met you of the wildcat and joke that you have when you were in New Orleans. Oh yeah. But I just listened to it again right now. And I was like, Oh, I, that, that, yeah, I just really, I really enjoy that joke. Thanks. You're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very popular and very busy comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome our guest, comic and actor Matt Bronger. Matt is an internationally touring comic and has done stand-up on every late-night talk show that you've ever heard of in the whole of the history of the world. He's been on Mad <laughs> TV, Upload, Blackish, Chelsea Lately, Up All Night, Marvel's Agent Carter, iCarly, Fuller House, and so many more that we couldn't get into all of them right here. Go to his IMDb. After all of those aforementioned credits, he was poised to record an hour in early 2020, but all the clubs shut down. No idea why. As Matt put it, quote, luckily my job went away just in time for me to be a stay-at-home dad, which I did for a year. During that time stage comedy came back and I threw away much of the original hour for what we now have which is Doug end quote Matt's new comedy special Doug that I referenced before premieres October 6th so it's already out in the world and it was on um, a a platform called Moment which I will ask you about in a moment this new collection Mm -hmm. of material is a deeply personal hour of insane hilarity named after a terrible dad bro type of person Doug is Bonger's masterwork that said what got you into acting how you, how much do you love being a comic? What's it, what's different about this special than others? Cause I want to get into the, like, did you take on a persona and make it Doug or did you, are you talking about that? Like what's your, all of Oh, it's just, it's a little bit of a thing. I hung on the, uh, on it as a name because it ends with a big story about this guy named Doug. And then it all basically gets wrapped up in a bow on this little, uh, it's basically like a reveal. It's almost like a magic trick. Oh, okay. At the okay, very end, where I call. <laughs> no, no, no! Don't tell I, us! Don't tell us! Don't tell us! I won't! I won't! No, okay, no, okay, no, okay, no, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I um, won't. Don't worry. But I got into acting when I was like a little kid. My parents took me to a lot of plays. I, I loved performance. I'm an only child. I've I've always been like a class clown. I always liked attention, so it was like a natural thing. And I got into stand up in Chicago when I moved there after uh, going to college uh, in New York. And uh, it was it was kind of one of those things I always thought about, never really figured out how. And I fell in with a bunch of people who were uh, uniquely funny in their own way. So it was one of those things. That's how it happened. And I, you know, I, I love being a comic, but it's, uh, you know, it's 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 different. And it's <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's got it's got its downside. But, yeah, I mean, I, I love it more than I than I don't love it for sure. Okay, I'm going to go back to something you said earlier, but I want to reference something you've said in one of your specials. You said your parents never said no to any to your crazy dream of like wanting to get into this world and you started mm-hmm. as a young kid. So did you start professionally acting as like a little tyke? No. No, I was in school plays and then I would I was taking acting like classes and lessons through like junior high and then into I did all the big you know, shows in, in, uh, in high school. And no, I didn't, I think I got a voiceover job when I was like in high school once. I never, I never really did that thing where, you know, I was living in Portland, Oregon. There really wasn't a lot of opportunity to, 
do that sort of thing. And I also my parents had full time jobs. They couldn't do the thing of, OK, you're you're uh, now in uh, actors equity. You're going to be at the performance space doing whatever shows in Portland. I will just be your tutor or we'll hire one. Like it's like I, there was never where it was like, oh, I'm coming out of school. And I never even that never crossed my mind. I never saw child actors and went, I want that life. Oh, that's interesting. Know, which is. Yeah, I don't know why. I've never really thought about it because I definitely, if the opportunity would have come along and, you know, those stories were like, the, this casting person's coming to town and they're, <laughs> you know, auditioning people across the con, I would break my neck to go and get an audition, like anything. But luckily nothing like that ever happened. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, so you so you were exposed to it. What was the transition age where you were like sort of like, okay, this is in my awareness. I know this is something that like is a job. What was the age where you were like, oh, I'm absolutely doing this job? Well, it, it, it was late high school and then college and kind of like training to be an actor. But I remember I had uh, the, the head of the, uh, of the uh, theater department in my college, which was a very small college, but had a great theater department. He was like, I think you should take do this postgraduate program that's Shakespeare intensive. And I remember being like, uh, and it's like, yeah, it is the foundation of all modern theater, without a doubt, you know, at least arguably so. Uh, but I was like, but I want to do other things. And I just see this. As, and I also was like, I don't want to saddle myself and my family with more debt. Here. <laughs> you know, I'm already coming out. You know what I mean? It was one of those things like I just I don't I can't. I can't put two and two together and make it make four in my head. I can't. So, you know, I didn't do that and I didn't go back to New York. I just decided over the summer, I talked to a friend of mine who I'd grown up with and her, she, her parents were actors and she kind of grew up in the, in the field. She lived in Chicago and there's like, she's like, there's like hundreds of black box theaters here doing really amazing work. And I kind of was like, Oh, let me try that. And uh, to be honest, a lot of that was just me being, very scared of moving to Manhattan because I had friends who lived there and were living in a box where the bathroom's down the hall. And I'm like, I can't, I just spent four years in a dorm. I can't, I can't, I can't. And so I, I, my, uh, one of my best friends from childhood and I, uh, packed up and moved to Chicago together. And it was, it was kind of a, you know, futile exercise for me trying to break into the theater scene there. But I just started taking improv classes and I got, uh, I made friends doing that and just started doing open mics. And But open mics is where I met the people that I still hang out with today, where it kind of was like, oh, that's my postgraduate thing. You know, I, I always say like Portland, Oregon made me a person. Chicago made me a comedian oh, is that's the way okay. I kind of put it. Okay. So, yeah. And so was there a piece of you that when you started doing open mics, because I've heard a lot of comics say that the second they got on stage, even when they bombed, they were like, oh, this forever. Did you did that click for you? I always say the worst thing that ever could have happened to me happened to me when I tried it because I killed the first time. You did? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I, I showed up with a friend of mine who was a comic, wasn't an open mic. And the host was like, you know, we're short someone. Do you want to go up? Rob says you're really funny. And, you know, and it all came out of Rob and I were both, he was kind of like a, he, he, we're still friends. He's a great guy, but he's definitely like a frat boy type. So we'd be riffing and he'd go, oh, I'm using that. And I'm like, no, but I said that. Yeah. And he's like, but you're not a comedian. I'm like, I am now. You know, like it was like, you, that's my joke. So 
we showed up together and the lady was like, do you want to go up? And I was like, Oy, I don't know. And she's like, you get two free drinks. And I was like, it's a deal. <laughs> and I went over to the bar and I just started uh, writing out an idea. And I, I kind of just went up there. I, I, I had some half-baked crap. And then, you know, because I, 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 I was heavier and I had hair to my shoulders and, and, a, and a goatee. And so I, I had some joke of, God, so it's so, it's so, so stupid, but it's such a joke of like of that era where you go, I know what you're thinking. You know, it's always that yeah. looking at me. I know you're, it's always like you think so and so and so and so. I had a baby. You know, mine was, um, boy, Christ the Lord has really let himself go. <laughs> and and I and I said it's not my fault. I eat one slice of bread, it becomes five. Like that was my dumb joke. <laughs> I and love so that. like you know, and 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 that that did well. And then a really drunk lady walked out and was like, pointed at me, went Wee! like for no reason. And I and I was like, I was like, look, leave the light on. Daddy will be home. Like I started talking to her like we were dating. Yeah, and yeah. We were like a big sex thing. Yeah. And it like people were cracking up. And it, I just rode that. But it, the thing is, I knew a lot of people in the audience. So then I was like, oh man, I got this stuff nailed. I got the blueprint. And then I go to an open mic after that and just ate it. You know, it's just like one of those yeah. things you're like, but I was so. Damn it. No, none of, you know, so <laughs> yeah. it just, it's, it's that much more crushing. If you do it once and you, 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 you eat, you know, crap. Yeah, sure. Of course you do. Yeah. You don't, you don't have any sort of comfort on that stage at all, but yeah. So that's, that's, I basically started doing it almost, almost on a dare. And so yeah. did you find that that as an actor made you more confident for auditions and other things? Like, were there fringe benefits of it? Well, the one thing I always had going for me when I was, when I was, when I was young, when I first started doing plays is I could, I, I, I could improvise really well. And what I mean by that is there's no play you'll look at where it's like, uh, you guys make this scene up, but things go wrong. Things go wrong in plays. You know, I, I remember being in a in a one act in um, in high school, and we had to wear all this like colonial, almost like these weird pants that snap on the side. And I had a thing where I fell over a chair or something, and I felt all the snaps just pop, like, and no one knew. But I'm like, I stood up, and I'm just holding my pants, like, with my hand, I'm pressing my hand to my leg as hard as I can. And then the other actor, it, the thing is like, do we have a have we reached a bargain? And he puts his hand out. And I, I, I was like, before we, I, I said something like, Bef before we seal the deal, my pants have come unsnapped. I must resnap. Like I made it a big, th and it, and it got huge lap because everyone's like, oh, he's not. He, his pants are about to fall down. He has to fix them, and then he could then end the scene. But it's like I remember people in high school saying that. We're like, I, I, I'm never afraid when Bronger's out there because he's. If something goes wrong, he's going to make it like work. Like, and it wasn't anything I would do to be. I go for a joke. It was always like, it was like patching up a boat where like a hole would sprig and you just you throw a line in that would explain, you know, people come to the stage late. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Beanie. Uh, she's huge. She was in, um, very, very uh, popular right now. Very, very talented. She was in Booksmart. Beanie Fieldstein, is that her name? I'm bad at this she's, game. She's Jonah Hill's sister. Oh. And she is, you've seen her. Uh, she was in like Neighbors 2 and stuff like she's always super funny and super great. But she started in the revival of Hello Do Dolly with Bette Midler on Broadway. Holy shit. And there's a scene where she gets on stage. I mean, talk about the, the tightrope a thousand feet up like that's, you know, no net 
Broadway. Are you kidding me? So she's on stage with uh, she's her and her beau, the the guy that they fall in love. They're supposed to come out together, and I guess if memory serves, either the guy the guy had food poisoning, so he's either barfing or worse, you know, whatever. And so she comes out and he's not there. He's, you know, doing his thing. And then, and she kind of did this thing where she just clasped her hands and she just kind of swayed to the music until like he made it out. And then they started the fucking routine. So I was like, I I was like, I heard her talk about that on a a podcast. And I was like, yeah, like I remember doing stuff like that where someone tripped backstage, someone, you know, it's like, we had this big thing when I was in high school, our, our, the stage and the auditorium was big and we'd put on, they put on big shows, like big musicals and stuff. And when you weren't on stage, you were basically in this holding area in the cafeteria, which is underneath or like a, a, the next, the next building over. And people would just be like, you know, being in high school and BSing and go, what time? Oh my God, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. And they'd run. You know, so it was like, yep. <laughs> there are times where you just like, you, <laughs> I did it. Almost everyone did it. You know, it, it just, things go wrong. They just go wrong with anything live. So anyway, long story long, <laughs> when I was in improv, uh, the compliment I got was like, oh, you you come up with really interesting characters during scenes, which is uh, a good compliment. But then yeah. when I started doing stand-up, I, I combined those two things where it's like, oh, I'm going to tell stories and, you know, I'm going to forget some of these stories. So I'll, I'll either, you know, I'll, I'll add a description that I didn't have before. And then that that's kind of how I build material where I, I write as I go. So right as you go, meaning like in real time on stage or you mean, yeah, yeah I mean, explain, explaining, um, like say I, I a story about how when my wife and I drove 3,300 miles across the country with a six week old during the pandemic, uh, I met every kind of person and we were in an electric car with California plates during an election year. Uh, and so you're very self-conscious and we never ran into any trouble, but once there was a guy in a beat up pickup and he got out and like, in the story I say, his belly got out before he did, like he had no shirt on. And then he had like one flip flop. And I was kind of talking about how that is, that in and of itself is so terrifying where there's something like, there's not even, she doesn't pay attention to any of the rules. And like when I would tell that story, sometimes I would go. I can imagine this guy doing this or this, or I can imagine him, you know, or what happened to that flip flop, you know? So, and I've said a couple different versions of that that just came to me like in the moment. I get you. And that's a great thing about, that's a great thing about standup. All, all it is, uh, you know, if you stick exactly to the material, sometimes you'll just get so, re- I, I'm convinced the reason why we do specials is not just because it's the norm and yeah. it's a way to uh, make a little thing. It's also so, like, if I tell this story again or do this joke, I'm gonna kill myself. Yes. I hate it so much. I hate it, I hate it. Hope you like it. <laughs> Sioux Falls or wherever you are. You know? That's yeah. such a good, co- I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, of course, because then it forces you to write a new hour and writing an hour is yeah. an arduous, insane process. So I- Well, I, you kind of want to, yeah. you, you want to. Uh, I, 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 There was a guy who, I remember we, we would occasionally, when I was in Chicago, do guest sets at Zany's, which is this tiny comedy club on the north side. One of the only ones around there. Now, now, there's, now there's more, thankfully. But it's a great club. Really awesome. It's one of those things that, like, it's so enclosed and built so well that, like, you can really kill hard there, which is nice. But I'm right. I opened for a guy. I did a guest set for a guy. And he just did this polished routine about being in a relationship with his wife or whatever that just crushed 
And then he got off stage and he was shaking next to the bar. And I was like, he was like, so, so how, how long, how long have you been doing it? And he looked like someone who was just like, is, it, is the heroin yet here yet? Did someone bring, you know, like he was, you know, like, like, like he was fiending. Yeah. And yes, tweaking. That's it. Tweaking. But I realized looking back, he was tweaking because he's probably done that hour every, every at least, you know, two, three times a week for the last 10, 15 years or, or longer, you know, where, cause that was, you know, I came in with the the last remnants of the guys from the eighties and, you know, cause I, or, or and nine, mostly nineties, but there was still that thing of, cause it is some, when you have an hour that, you know, kills, you just do that hour, but it's just like, you have to learn to break out because a, you're going to get sick of it mm-hmm. and B you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that person who is just like, it's every time we come see you, it's the same, you know, yeah. I like it, but you know, so they, yeah. yeah, it's, 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 you should, you know, you, you want to, but also you should want to yeah, write sure. new stuff, yeah. you know? And do you find, and la- I'll, I'll, we'll wrap up this section. I'm just so fascinated because you're talking, right. I love the process of it. So did you, do you find that because this last special, it seems like you developed it during like COVID times and you said theaters had mm. started to open back up. Did you test any of the material on a zoom audience? And was that different? You know, I did, uh, uh, I did a kind of a, a newish hour on, I did one of those zoom shows, like, I did a full hour and it was, it actually went okay, but I, I hated doing it. Oh, I, yeah. I, I did a couple zoom call zoom shows where I did short sets and those were, those were, uh, you know, shitty, just like all of them, but it's like, it wasn't as bad as having to kind of do it, but it's like, I was paid for that hour. Sure. So it's like, okay, that's cool. And like when I did shows, I would try to do something where like once I, I was just dressed entirely in like seventies workout gear and I had another laptop <laughs> and I was like, as they came in, I was like doing some routine. Yeah. Like I'm teaching and I'm like, what, what do we have next? Comedy. Right. You know? So it was like, I love it. okay. You know, like I did something, I did one, I remember I did hot tub once and I just read this. I, I, I had written this thing that was like, um, the, the, the league of, Oh God. Sw- sweaty wrestle men and it was like guys who like to wrestle in a pit where it's like i talk about how there's like they put a hundred of us in the, just in the ground and you have to wrestle your way out or something like that and you don't you can't wear anything but like shorts one pair of shorts and it was just me being angry because we're being shut down and i didn't understand why i was so <laughs> mad you know i was like so i was like okay what's the most extreme thing because you know because a- a- everybody was like i don't want to wear a mask i don't want to you know i don't see the point i should be able to go movies they should bring back college sports. Come on, just do it. I don't, I know it's not safe. Just do it. You know? So I was like, what would be the most extreme? Okay. These guys are shirtless and <laughs> fighting each other in a big pit. And it's just, <laughs> and I talk about how this, yeah, the steam rises up and that, but that's part of the ritual, you know? And, and I had, I, I, I was like, I'm just going to read this and, and you know, you're going to fucking listen. And I take my shirt off and I'm getting all these, I see I'm getting all this stuff in the chat and I click on it. And uh, I remember Kyle Kinane was like, was like, bro, I was like, dude, put away your cheddar tits. And like, and like, everyone's just like, put your, put, everyone's like, put your tits away. And because Zoom had this thing where, or whatever streaming thing they had, this rule where no one could show their nipples. Because it's like, you know, if women do, it's pornographic. But then there's uh, um, um, 
a cis born guy who, you know, who identifies as female now. And, you know, she or they take their shot. So it's this kind of they're trying to navigate. But it just makes you realize how all, all of it and all of us are so stupid. Yeah. yeah. Like we're so dumb. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There, 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 there are, are women with uh, that don't have ample chests, yeah. but they still have breasts. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like these definitions that we have, there are clearly men with huge, bountiful bosoms. Massive. Like we all know Massive. that. Yes. Massive. So like. It was just the weirdest. And I was like, I never got that, the, the, the memo about, I never. So it's like, I, I think I finally like turned it so you could, you know, like whatever before <laughs> I finished my thing. But it was the, that, that spelled out how the weirdness of the era we were in. Yeah. God bless. You know? I know, uh, Jackie Cation, who's been on the show before, uh, she talked mm-hmm. about how she developed her most recent hour exclusively via zoom. And I was just like, I don't wow. know how you did, like, how did you anyway? Um, I'm so impressed. Me too. So impressed. Me too. Cause yeah. I was like, that feels like wow. a, a dystopian nightmare, but well done. Oh you. yeah. Okay. Well folks, we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to move on to the entrees after a quick break. We are back and now it is time for the entrees. Okay. So this whole section, Matt is everybody's favorite and it's just like a bunch of questions. Feel free to tell stories and some of it is counting. So take your time. So what was your first job ever where customer service job where the government was taking taxes out? So some people have said like, Oh, babysitting paper out, blah, blah, blah. But what's, what's the first that for you? I, I, my first official job, that I just uh, sucked at was for some reason, some guy hired me to loosely manage a small apartment building in Portland when I was in high school. In well, high school? Manage, manage. I, I wasn't collecting rent. Um. I was, I would, I would vacuum the halls and I would water the lawn and mow it. And the guy, I remember I was fine at cleaning the hallways, all that jazz, but like, like this guy bought this new sod and I would, I would water the crap out of it and not, like not too much watering, but like I, I was a, I wasn't a gardener. He was cutting corners, you know, parts of the, the, the sod that the sun wasn't reaching was dying. And so I got fired within like two weeks. So I can't even count that, but probably my senior year of high school, I was, I worked at Rose's ice cream on Northeast Fremont. It's now gone. But uh, that was that was an awesome job because I had a bunch of friends who worked there. I did the smartest thing you can do, which is get really uh, heavy the year before you go to college. <laughs> it's always smart. I tell these kids just just fatten up, fatten up. There's the no freshman fifteen <laughs> for the for the beginning of your adult sexual independence. Uh, just really just have have have. Have love handles. Get some nice beer flaps all around your your belly and middle. Listen, there's somebody to love you somewhere. But good lord, somewhere, somewhere, yeah. But it was it was it it was it was it was horrendously unhealthy. But it was a great time. Was it It so great time to work at ice cream? Did you get beer flaps because you were working at Rose's ice cream? Was it you were just eating all the time? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was like it was all like everything is like my neck swelled up. Um, I. I just was like, you know, like even, I mean, I wasn't, you wouldn't look at pictures and go, look at that fatty, but it was just like, it's not, I mean, I was like that in my thirties as well too, but it was just because I would go in and and for lunch, I would have like a cheeseburger and like clam strips and a milkshake. (laughs) Like the, the, 
archetypal worst meal. Like almost every day. Well, because it was it was an ice cream and and a and a grill. Oh, so forget make, it. Yeah. You can make anything. You can make anything you want, and the dude did not care. And so, like, it was. Uh, there was an older woman who worked there, uh, and she would just, she would take home like a quart of ice cream nightly. <laughs> And it was just, it was just her and her boyfriend. I'm like, how much ice cream are you eating? They're like, we have the strongest bones on the planet. Don't worry about us. (laughs) Well, we're fine. We're fine. fine. My heart is going to explode. (laughs) But our bones won't break. (laughs) Such good bones. (laughs) Okay, wait, I have to go back. Because you said you were fired from that first official job within two weeks. Was it because the sod wasn't growing? What was the reason? How's that your fault? Well, it was also, you know, I was... Being a whatever I was, 15 year old, I was biking around, I was hanging out with my friends. I'd be like, all right, I'll go by the apartment. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm, I would never at this point stand up in a court of law and be like, Your Honor, I was fired without, you know, without cause, any sort of reason. It's like, I'm sure, I honestly just don't remember. Uh, I, uh, okay. It's it's a blip. Like it was sure. over so fast. Yeah. You know, I think he just realized, like, wait, what did I do? I never should have hired a kid. I need to spend some money, hire an actual gardener. You know, that kind of thing. He's He so. ain't wrong. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So Rose's yeah. ice cream. So did that, you said that was senior year of high school was the first time that served it you? It was. Did you then go yeah. back to that during summers after college or during college? No, I worked at uh, uh, summers off. I would go back to Portland and I worked at the uh, Rock Bottom Brewery there that I worked every summer when I was in college. Then after college, I got a job at the one in Chicago and I was there for six years. Ooh. So yeah. Good for me, you. I just burped. Oh, that's okay. It's allowed. Yeah. Uh, that's great. So did you get moved up in the ranks or were you just like, look, I need a job that's no, going to be another I, I was a, when I, when I, when I was in college, I just was a, I was a, I was an expediter. I was a food runner. Oof. I want to say, let's see, you know what? No, no, let me go back. So summer before college, I was at Rose's summer between Freshman and sophomore year, if I'm not mistaken, it was either freshman and sophomore or no, yeah, freshman and sophomore year. I was a uh, I worked in um, a greeting card store at the mall. Yeah, and then after that, the subsequent summers, I was in I was a food expediter and a runner at uh, at Rock Bottom, and then I was a waiter in Chicago. I have to understand because because I know that you have end up end up becoming a bartender. We'll get into all of that because you you're you sure, kept moving sure. up. I have to understand how a greeting card job somewhere snuck its way in there because that feels like such a departure yeah. from what you were doing. I just I I didn't really care. I was like, right, this is a summer <laughs> job. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I applied and I got the I got the gig and uh yeah I just worked in this greeting card store and it was horrifically boring. <laughs> I bet. Oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. But uh, yeah, that That's was just it. like that was one just, of those it just snuck lips. its way in. Okay. Well, yep. malls also working in the mall was also that sweet spot too of like your friends might also have a job at the mall, and so like even if you guys didn't have the same job, you could meet yeah. and yeah. screw around at lunch or whatever. So it was totally. like hanging out. I get that. Yeah, it was. It was. Okay, so how many customer service jobs total? And I count comedy as a customer service job, but if we were to remove oh. that, I mean, you can count that, but what what would be the like total ballpark of customer service jobs you had? Oh, wow. Okay, so just just by, I, I'd say by title, so you got the ice cream scooper, occasional grill, you've got <laughs> uh, the greeting card store, you've got a uh, food runner, expediter, I'll, ca- I'll count that as, as the same. Yep. Waiter, Bartender, all, waiter, bartender for banquets, 
and also occasionally occasional banquet captain where you would oversee like an event. Well, because Rock Bottom Chicago had a sec has a second level where they have an event space, oh, like I didn't two know different that. event spaces. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's just like where your your company can just have a little Christmas party uh, or whatever. Yeah, yes, exactly. Okay. Or or a, a post wedding thing or you know whatever you want. So okay. Yeah. So you. Were you so you seem to stay kind of loyal as you got uh, more into your like entertainment career? You're like, I'm just going to stick with this one job. So when you worked at Rock Bottom, mm. was that it? Because most of us have to have multiple restaurant jobs. Did you? Was it enough to survive? Yeah, it, it really was just me being in Chicago and them giving. They had really good health benefits, and I was always uh, conscious of that. Where I had, you know, it was one of those things. We were in the North Loop, where um, if you've seen that show, The Bear, yeah, that's that's where it was. And Mr. Beef, where they shoot actually, is like two blocks away from Rock Bottom. And Rock Bottom's on State and Grand. And I think that is on Wells, I think. Uh, anyway, so it, it, and then so basically there, there were always restaurants popping up, like new places were popping up. And people would get like, they'd be like, oh, I want to, I'm going to work there now or I'm going to go here. And uh, I friends were like, I'm making so much more money. It's, a, it's such a cool restaurant. And I'm like, yeah, but what are your benefits? And it, like, I always had that. I'm not a responsible person by by definition. <laughs> to be clear. Typically, I, I'm better than I ever have been. I will say that. But uh, I'm I'm far more self aware than I used to be. Uh, but I, that is one thing I always thought about was like, okay, if I get hit by a bus, yeah. my and I have to go to the hospital for like a couple weeks, my parents will go bankrupt. Oh. You know, I that was how I thought of it. Not yeah. in terms of. You know, I certainly didn't give a shit about my health back then. Sure. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No way. Yeah. You had neck flaps. Uh, we know. You're, you're all right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Bars were open till four. It was like. Rough. Like, come on. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. So, but, and, and also it, it, it is like a really good company. Like they do hire really good people. Like I have some of my best friends I've ever met in my life that I used to work with. And there are people I used to work with. Oh my God, all that time ago that still work there. Really? You know, they're like, yeah, like one one's a manager, one left a couple of years ago and he opened his own place with his wife in I think Arizona. But there are people who like I think at least one or two people that I work with still bartender that bartend there because it's like it's just steady money sure. and they're doing better than they could do at any other job. And now they have kids. And they're like, you know, yeah. It works. It works. It's a job. So, so did you know. it, because what often happens is, at least this has happened for me and other guests, is that you reach this point, though, where you're like, if I have to wait on one more effing table, I'm going to shoot right. myself in the face. So was there, did your did you hit an apex yeah. of like yes. that moment? Yes. So what, how'd you handle that? The, the last, the last year I was in Chicago, I had, uh, I, I, I had a relationship uh, go kaput and you know, it turned out to be a good thing, but it's like, it just kind of like was like staring down the barrel of my thirties and just going like, well, if I'm going to, you know, chase my dreams now, I have to, I, that now's the time to jump ship. But I also was like, I was kind of phoning it in. I wasn't yeah. people like picking up my slack and like, I got called on it. And I remember saying in a sales meeting, I was like, like, I'm really sorry that I've, I've been this, this a-hole where I think you know, I didn't say it like this, but you know, at the time I thought like, this is so beneath me. I've been doing this too long, sure. but it's like the job still needs to get done. Why am I cleaning up your section? You know, kind of stuff. Sure. So like, uh, you know, that was definitely an indicator, but then 
I came to LA and it's like, well, I'm still going to do it if I can. And so I, you know, cause that's all I, I, I know, you know, and as, as a, as a worker. And so I, I got uh, a job with, I got, I got hired at a, a fancy place in Santa Monica and they fired me after a week. Nothing I did. They just were like, they actually overhired. I was like, okay, great. Whatever. You know? But it, I wouldn't, I, 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 over those days I was like, I don't even know if I can hack it. Like hot, fine dining is crazy. Oh, oh, it's crazy. Oh. And I, you know, I, I'd come from like an Applebee's that makes their own beer. Like that's what rock, <laughs> really what rock bottom is. And God bless them. I still, I still love that company. I still love, like they're, they were so good to me. And like, you know, uh, there's a reason I stayed there, sure. you know, all that time. But so then I, I did, I were, I worked for a, like a, a, an event company. So I would just put in my avails and it'd be like, I'd go bartend in somebody's house or I would go, uh, you know, at, at various events, same kind of thing when I was working banquets in Chicago. And, uh, then I got a job as a PA cause my friend was doing that. And I did that for two years for a production for it. And it was, yeah, it was brutal, mm-hmm. but here's the thing, that job and the next job, let me get to do what I do now because the guy I whose supervisor would be like, I would be like, I have an audition. He'll be like, I'll send you on a run and oh we'll put it down. As, yeah. Yeah. So I would come back and like, and like I would bust my ass. I'd, I'd do stuff you're not supposed to do in that job, like move furniture and, you know, crazy stuff and, and drive trucks I wasn't licensed to drive, you know, stuff like that. So it's like I definitely put in my work. But then then the last job job I ever had, it wasn't service, but I was a closed capture for the hearing impaired. Uh, my mother's an English professor. Grammar is something I can always nail. And so like I, I basically it, – it's a lot like editing. It's just stop, start, stop, start. It was just – you know, pre-provided stuff, not live. Never, never. I was not the live captioner. Um, uh, and, and that was a job where because you'd go project to project and they're like, this thing has to be, it's like this latest episode of like the office or America's top model or whatever. It's like, we have to have this done by Tuesday. And you're like, all right. And you should work on it and be like, Hey, I have an audition. And they'd be like, okay, well you got to come back in the weekend. I'd be like, cool. All right, I'll oh. come back in for three hours. What a gift. Like, so it was like, it was a godsend, God, absolute godsend. And like, you know, it was nice to just have, uh, it, it, was a, it was an eight to four. It wasn't a nine to five, but it was like just to have that. Because then I had nights. I could go do stand up. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had a brief dalliance with looking at becoming a copywriter. I went to uh, Leo Burnett and I interviewed there in Chicago, a massive, massive advertising yeah. firm. And they really liked me and they wanted me to submit a, for, a portfolio. But everyone I talked to who did that were like, this is it, though. This, this takes all of your creativity. You're not going to do stand up. And I was just like, well, then no. You know, I know me. I know I, I'll get comfortable and I'll convince myself it's enough. And after a few years, I'll go, what did I do? Yeah. You know, and then I have to start from zero again. So it sounds like you've been, I mean, you have a really good energy around you, but it sounds like you also have attracted a lot of people that are looking out for you in ways that you wouldn't have known at the time were massive. Like that guy, when you were Uh, a PA being like, okay, I'll send you on a run. It's like people don't, it's what keeps artists being able to art in a city like LA where it's like, we don't get grants to just sit around and audition. Like we do have to have something to sustain us. So when people recognize that what you're doing isn't exactly goals, but you're still gonna work your ass off, but it's not Mm -hmm. goals and they help you with that stuff. 
I'll stay right. loyal till I'm bloody. If you can, if you can yeah, make, yeah, yeah. allow me to audition, like that's such a gift. Well, it's also like, I, I, not that I, I don't want to say, oh, everyone's rooting for each other, but people we're rooting for each other more than most people admit. That's an interesting where, point. Why do you say that? Well, because it's like the, the archetype is like, oh, we're all, we're all against each other. Uh, we're all out for ourselves. That's absolutely true. All we think about is ourselves. Yes, that's a hundred percent. But like, put it this way, like when I'm on stage doing, when you, when you, when, I, when you're on stage doing comedy, the whole crowd is like, I hope this person does well. That's right. You know? Yeah, that's right. Where, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's another thing. If you, there's someone in your life who is like, I want to be the best ventriloquist ever, but they're terrible. And you're like, <laughs> please stop, you know? And, and, and I had, I remember captioning like a, a celebration of this, the theater, the improv theater, uh, improv Olympic or IO that's uh, came out. I came out of in Chicago. I was only there for like, uh, a couple of years before or two years before I just did full tilt standup. Cause I got kicked off my improv team, but that's because, well, I did levels one through five, five with Del Close who basically invented improv. And then he died months later. They added level six and I'm like, I don't have time or the money. And they were like, well, you got to take it if you stay on your improv team. And I was like, all right, bye. See ya. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but I remember being at improv, Olymp uh, excuse me, at caption max, the caption company. And I got, they did this special about that, like a, at that thing. And it had all these famous people. And I was around the same era of like Jason Sudeikis and he was in it. And I remember, and I, I did improv with him like once and he pimped me that fuck. But, um, <laughs> And if those, if, you, if people don't know what that is, like, that is, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what he did. Uh, I, I was sitting in with his improv team. His improv team was exceptional. They were so good. Uh, I was friends with a guy who was on there and like they, he had me and he was like, he was like, I, he walks up to me. It's just me and him. And he's like, so how's that, how's that golf club feel for you? I'm like, it's got a good swing. I like the grip. But he's like, you're not holding a golf club. And now I got to be insane. Now I have to be, he just, That's shitty. he just took. He pulled the rug out. I, I don't know if he liked me or something. I don't know why. But yeah. um, he well, just did that to me. And so, so now, I'm, now, now I have to be a crazy person who doesn't know what's holding his hand or nothing. But that's beside the point. My point is I'm, I'm capturing this thing with all these people. And I'm just like, I should have stayed at this theater. I should have just kept doing this. I should have stayed doing improv. I'm captioning stuff. But I remember saying that offhandedly to my supervisor. And she was like, oh, but you can't look at life that way. And it was like this really, I was like, oh my God, you're totally, like she just totally, she made, she was, she was so sweet, you know? And she was, she was almost like a, like Pam from the office who was always putting herself aside where I remember we all went out to dinner. They would, this company took us all out to dinner for Christmas every year and they were going to drinks and she's like, all of a martini. And the waiter's like, apple martini. And she's like, um, okay. And I'm like, no. That's, That's not what, what she you wanted. Want. She's, like, she's like, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. But she just didn't want to make anyone else wait to or like she was that sweet. Wow. So for her to say that, I was like, oh, man, like you just made my day. You made me realize, oh, yeah, there's a billion people who came to that theater and stayed with it. And, and now what? You know, they're they're not in yeah. this special. Yeah. That, and by the way, the special no one will ever see. You know, I don't even know what network it was on, whatever. But you get in your head. When you think, oh yeah, I'm, uh, why, why, what happened to me? What am I doing here? But it's like, yeah, like, you know, I, I, that it was really cool that she would let me go audition and stuff. But like, and it's also like, I was, I think of that company, I think of rock bottom and, 
I'm just I'm just grateful they were so awesome. And in both cases, really good health benefits. Shit. You I mean, know? it matters. <laughs> it matters. Oh, my God. So yeah. there's now I know that there's a rock bottom in L.A. So why not make the transition? Or maybe it didn't exist before. Like, why I not? I don't think it existed. I and, and I and I think I also was like, it's time I'm to done. get off that train. OK, I can't I can't work for this company. You know, I did. I will say I had to uh, when I did. I, I went back to uh, to Portland and then when I left Chicago and worked at the one in uh, in Portland for about a summer before I for about four months before I left. Okay. So I did a little bit post Chicago, but not much. But they were they were cool enough to be like, oh, hey, pick up some shifts. I mean, you know, it was nice. <laughs> that's you have a lot of people that really were rooting for you to stay in comedy. I mean, it's like the universe was like, you don't get a choice like you have to do this. Uh, I'm very, very, very grateful. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. It, it's wild you put it that way because I remember my first TV set I ever did was live at Gotham. And I was just, I didn't realize I was in the makeup chair, but I just started getting so nervous. Oh. I was like, I'm, because it's like, it's all, it's like, I only, I'm only doing seven minutes. Seven minutes. You're just like, how? And I went out there and I start just like talking way too fast. And I could see people's faces going like, I, uh, you know, and then uh, it, it, there was a rainstorm that night. The power went out during my set. And I just went, whoa, it was a blackout. They're like, all right, everyone, stay where you are. And they, all right, we got a generator, lights up. All right, everyone, pretend you haven't heard anything Matt oh said. Oh, my God. What and a I, gift. You got to start but, over. But it was be, beyond a gift. And I, I did, I got into it again. And I'm like, all right, I'm relaxed. We're all laughing at this situation. I'm realizing... I'm making it a bigger deal than it is, and I had a bit. I had a bit about uh, when I when I how dehumanizing being a, a character actor can be in like commercials <laughs> yeah. because I I would go. I went into this happened to me. I went to an audition and there was a, a very pretty girl with the clipboard. I'm like, hey, I'm here for the. It was like one of my early. I had not been in a lot of auditions. It's like, oh boy, an audition. Here we go. And I was like. I was like, can you tell me what I'm here for? She's like, what's your name? And I was like, Matt Bronger. She goes, yeah, you're here for the role of unattractive man oh my like, in my God. face. And, that, and that's the joke. And, <laughs> you know, and, and how I, it just crushes your soul. Like just you, your-, your face, your face and body. <laughs> and so when it, when it was just a joke about there was at this point, the Republicans were trying to throw Social Security out the window and like uh, or make it privatized. And AARP was making these ads where a guy is hitting on a woman again and again and again at a gym where she's trying to work out. And it was like, a bad idea is just a bad idea. That was the tagline, you know? And so, yeah, it's like, it, you can cast any guy for an attractive man. It's just, she just doesn't want to fuck him. That's all it is. It. So, you know, yeah. But um, I didn't realize it at the time. But so I'm on stage doing that um, Live at Gotham thing. And I remember said, and I go in there and, and she said it was for the role of, and the lights went out again. And in the darkness, I went, Dracula! And it got a laugh in the darkness. And and I was like, I was like, I, and I said to the end of the mic, none of this matters. And there and then I got another laugh. And then I Daniel Tosh was hosting it. And if you've ever met Daniel, he is, if he if he finds out that you're a comedian, he is a, a peach. He's the nicest guy in the world. Everybody else, he's kind of a dick. And I and I say that with 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 love. That guy has always been good to me. And you know, it's it's you know, he he is he, 
you know, he's, he's very nice to, I would say, service people like waiters and bartenders, things like that. Not that he doesn't even drink, but like um, I just remember him backstage going off on the producer, like in the guys because of what happened to me. And he's like, he's like, and the guy's like, we're trying to fix it. He's like, don't try fucking fix it. And he, I remember him yelling, I'm not worried about Bronger. He's going to roll with whatever happens. But there's an act that had a, had a, a, a musical portion. He's like, what, what are you going to do when the lights go out for? And he says that, that comic's name, you know, like kind of thing where it's like, he got so mad for us kind of thing that it was like, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty wild. It was pretty, it was, it was a crazy night. It was one of those things when it was over, I was just like, I got up there, like freaked out and then got it restored and then ended it. But it felt like, oh, I made it out alive. It was like being, you know, like, I like just, just can I, I can't, can I just go in the next room and, and drink until I can't stand? <laughs> like this is bananas. And that was your first time doing stand up on television? I, yeah, if memory serves, that would have been early 2008. Uh, and I did, um, uh, yeah, then and at the end of the year, I was the last guest on Letterman. Holy shit. I mean, but see, I would frame that again. It's like, even though, okay, you couldn't have like a rainstorm, obviously act of God can't worry about that and the power going off and whatever, but like the power went off so you could start over and like have the best set of your life on TV. Like every universe is conspiring to make you do comedy. (laughs) It just keeps happening. Well, and it's like, I, I, I've since then I've done sets on TV that I like, I did Craig Ferguson and I, and I look, I can't watch that set. I hate it. Because oh. I think it was like all the jokes are kind of half baked. It's okay, but it's like it's. I don't even know if you could find it, so it doesn't even matter. But okay. that said, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of people. I've had people I've that have that have definitely uh, uh, tried to impede. You just definitely have that where it's just like, well, I'll be helped if I kind of screw you over here, Ugh. kind of thing. It'll help me. If yeah, I, but that's we always, all have it. Always, we all have it. Yeah. Always. Yeah. yeah. Don't. So it hasn't. Th- these has all been like you know fun uplifting stories sure. and I have more of those than the bad ones but like some of the bad ones I have and I won't get into it because it's depressing but like you know and I just go oh my god <laughs> yeah know? yeah so. well I mean I guess the good with the bad but it just the stories that you've presented I'm like it's it's lovely that you have enough people around you that were like at least you had enough of the problem yeah that's true that, like, that's that's true yeah. so okay what was your favorite job of all of the customer service jobs you've listed obviously we know comedy is your favorite but like that doesn't get to oh. count in this no, I, I think I think just being a waiter in Chicago was it because it was very – a friend of mine uh, who I would uh, riff with and we actually we, – we wrote a show that we put on at, at, at one of the Second City theaters in Chicago um, that we, de- we developed just by talking about like just riffing up things. And like he had a great point. He's like, I wish life was like when you're when you're waiting tables where you could just break off in the middle of a story with that explanation and walk away. Yeah, because we do that. <laughs> we do you all the time. Say goodbye. <laughs> totally yeah. uh, more than understood, more than forgiven. Yep. You know. Yep. And also, you know, uh, just having this incredible degree of people who are chill around each other. Yes. You know, like some of us sh- for sure have hooked up or. You know, there's one or two that don't like each other. I, uh, my, 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 what I'll call my Chicago girlfriend and I, we met there and we dated for three years. You know, I remember 
The same guy I'm talking about, his name is, is Kevin McGeehan. Very funny guy. Oh my gosh. He he's, teaches he, a second he's, you know. he's a, He will be a guest on this show in a few weeks. Oh, I yeah. love Kevin. He's yeah, t- I love I, Magoo. I couldn't figure out why Rock Bottom Brewery kept sticking out to me. I interviewed him a handful mm-hmm. of weeks ago. I'm like, why do I keep, why does that remember? Got it. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, so Kevin. That, that's, that's, that's where we met. Oh, uh, and he and he and he him. had me sit in with his his improv group that had Jason Sudeikis. That's, that's how that, I. That's where that was. I was like, I, yeah. swear, I swear, I've heard some of these stories. I'm like, why am I? Am I crazy? Yes, totally. That's why. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. And so Kevin and I. This is how. It, 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 like one one thing I wish they would say when it comes to any sort of you know sexual harassment seminar oh, is leave is, improv I out of it. Just, <laughs> I, I wish well. <laughs> A for sure, <laughs> I would add that. But what I, what I was going to say is is listen to, to just the men here. If uh, if you're wondering, women can always tell your intent. They can always tell if you're going for it and if you would. So just know that and walk around knowing that. So here's a great example. Kevin and I in June of 1999, we just started asking like women we worked with. That we knew if they will, if they, a if they'd like a Millennium Baby, <laughs> and b if they want one, just you can either pick me or Kevin, and just let us know by the end of the day. It's no big deal, and and these are not. I my girlfriend is working there. I'm obviously not asking her, but he can. He can ask her. She's like, yeah, Kevin. You know, <laughs> obviously, like, obviously, but like. Uh, uh, we would never have done that if it was like, and we're very conscious of, do you don't really hit on each other? Sometimes people are drunk at parties and things just happen, whatever. But it was, it wasn't, it, that didn't go on because of the Petri dish we're all in. Yes. That we have to survive in. Yes. So every, every one of them without batting an eye would go, uh, I'm going to go Matt. I'm going to go Kevin, <laughs> you know? And it was, but it was stuff based on like our height or our hair. Sure. You know, like I, I want my kid, I already have really light hair. Matt has darker hair, you know, whatever. And then this, this is the reason why I bring up the sexual harassment thing. There's this guy who worked there who was married to a girl who worked there. And he was very, he was always intense. He was like, well, I don't know if that's true. Like one of those guys where you're like, okay. Uh. And so he, he decided, he's like, he's, he's like, you know, you can pick me. Hey. And he, and every girl's like, Hey, hey man, can you not can like, you he not? really, and because you could tell he wasn't that happy in his marriage and they had a kid and he wanted, he really wanted to hook up with someone else. Mm. Like it was very obvious where I really feel like Kevin and I basically were gay to all these women. Sure. You know what I mean? You were non-threatening. Like there was no, yeah. so it was just like, they just be like, like it was just a way for them. To, oh, good. I don't have to think about work right now. I get to choose thousand percent a father of my child. <laughs> uh, no offense. Kevin's in way better shape. Like I get it. I get it. Yeah, so it was like that. That that was the 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 and and just having just having that kind of environment to like back the first couple of years when it was really fun, and I was like 20, 23, 24, 25, and you kind of you're doing your little stuff, but there there isn't a lot of there wasn't that thing of uh, oh boy, I hope I make it because what is it to make it? Sure, you know, it wasn't until I. Like I got in like a um, a comedy festival and I got a little bit of attention, and it, not that it became less fun, but it was kind of like I, I do. You look back on those days where you're broke but you're happy, and go those those were really the salad days of of being of being stupid. 
Like I've never been happier than I am right now overall. But those days of just being a young idiot, which I think is important, you know? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of celebrities talk about that period and people like roll their eyes and say like, okay, yeah, you really want to go back to a studio apartment with three people like, okay, you're full of shit. But then you actually listen to them on enough interviews and you're like, Oh yeah, but they could like go to the grocery store and it was no big deal and they could like live their lives in a different way and they could yeah. be idiots. And so there is a piece oh, of that yeah. where you're like, Oh, I, I get I it. Was listen- I-, I was listening today to uh, Scarlett Johansson on um, armchair expert Dax Shepard. And like, you know, she's, she's so famous. She's like, you know, beyond. And I remember seeing her, God, maybe eight or nine years ago uh, at a, at a little, restaurant a little like sandwich shop and she had this massive dude with her who's obviously security, security. and they're both having sandwiches and i remember my the thought of my and she had a hood up and my thought was she's so little and like what it's got to be so hard to and, and i'm sure she's adjusted well to it but it's like when you when you say like oh when people are like it's I, it's like I don't think celebrity necessarily is something to be jealous of we think it is but it but it really it really isn't I I don't I don't want that kind of attention it just it's it, and scrutiny and it's I don't need it I don't need it I'm I had a a weird set on Saturday Friday I had to throw two dudes out and I never I never have to do that and the club I was at it's called Laugh Camp. They are in 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 a in Saint Paul. They're very small. Uh, they're barely holding on. You can tell they don't have. Well, they're not barely. They don't. They don't need security. But these two dudes in their fifties would not shut up. And I snuffed them out as much as I could. And I finally just went. You guys gotta go. And you know this is this is this is the Midwest. People like their their drinks. They like their good times. So people were screaming at those these two guys. One guy stood up and was yelling at it like a little. 20 something alpha surfer type dude is like, I'm going to fuck you up. Like yelling at those guys. I could, it's all in the darkness. I'm like, you guys got to go. And the bartender finally taps him to get out. And everybody was like, Oh, you handled that so well. And I was like, Oh, thanks. You know, but like for, for, I didn't really let it wash over me enough. So when I did the first show the next night, I kept missing beats in my act and I kept screwing up jokes. And I remember saying to the audience, like, sorry, I'm dealing with a thing. Well, we're going to get through this. And I, I finally got some stuff out, you know, and, and, I, and I, I, you know, won them back. But it was like, I, I think about that set it is days ago, almost every minute since I've gotten back. And I'm just like, I feel shame and I feel anger and I feel, um, you know, like it's listen, don't feel bad for me or anything. But it's just like I'm just sharing this with you to let you know, like <laughs> that. That was one hour of my life and people wrote me, like I had someone write me on Twitter like, hey man, are you okay? You know, about it. You know, it's one of those things where, but that, if that messes me up, think if someone started a rumor and I looked at the National Enquirer and it was like, you know, something about like, I don't know what, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. You know, when, when, when like something like that bounces out of my control it's hard enough on me i'm just i think i i think what i'm saying is i'm too sensitive to be a movie star i think that's what i'm saying to you right now and like, that's the reason you're not is your sensitivity they interviewed you and they were that's like the only that's the only reason that's the only reason i'm with you on I, that I'm, 
Yeah. 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 Thank We've you. chosen Thank it. You. We've chosen and good for us. Like we're heroes. I, yeah. I'm, I, I'm dying to be cast in one of those giant movies in a huge role just to make people go, who the fuck is that? <laughs> Who's that? Well, they, I mean, I had a friend who transitioned from like, she was kind of like riding that middle to now she's doing very, very well. And she, she, she said like, she's like looking back at the top of the mountain. She goes, once you get there, you're kind of like similar to what you had said about like, once you check the box of the thing that you always wanted, if you get the thing you've always wanted and you don't have a goal beyond the goal, there's a prison in that too of like, well, now your goals, other people are deciding. They're like, now you're doing this. Now you're doing this. Now you're doing this. And you're like, wait, I had autonomy on the hustle and the ride up. And now I don't have any autonomy. And now I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't like, I want to make a choice and I can't. And anyway. Yeah. 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 Chaos. That's, that's, it's, that's wild. We've talked ourselves out of being A-list movie stars. Good job, us. Okay. So, Yay. Did you answer which was the favorite? Did you say what the favorite job was? Oh, oh, oh waitering. waitering. Waitering just in, in general in Chicago. So and not specifically rock bottom, just in general. It, it, but uh, at, at, at that time, it might, so yeah, I'll say that. And I will okay. say there are people listening who are like, but why would, why didn't you like bartending more? And I always say, because when you're, when you're a waiter, you can walk away. I just was saying, cause as a bartender, you're in prison. You have to you're talk trapped. to everybody. Yes. Yes. You have to ask to pee. My wife doesn't understand me. Oh, really? Here we Great. go. Go on. Uh, like, go off, buddy. Go off. Okay. When you're a, when you're a waiter, you're like, I got to get the cake for this Oops. kid's birthday. I, I, I got to go. I'm sorry about your wife and how she doesn't listen, but I, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to listen either. Okay. Nope. Was your least favorite then bartending? Would you say, or what was your least favorite? Least. Least favorite was uh, 